0: Greetings to the 12 tribes scattered abroad, Chag Sameach. We are in the Feast of Tabernacles. What a year. I started the Book of Revelation right after Sukkot last year. And it took me a year to get through 22 chapters and we finish, y'all willing, today with hope with glory, with the finality of our redemption. Now, I know some of you were thinking you were going to be leaving for the wilderness and it was Revelation 12, but we don't know it all, do we? I know we think we do, but we really don't. The mystery is still unfolding all around us there is a river of life there is restoration reconciliation and everything that was a curse that is a trouble in our life is going to be restored there is going to be no more curse and the time is near The time is near, and this is Yahusha testifying finally to the assemblies here in the twenty-second chapter. But there's another warning that's going to come—the final warning of Scripture—and then He says to us, "I am coming quickly." Are you ready? Are you ready? I'm ready. Are you? Are you ready? Are we ready? Because he says he's going to be coming quickly. This is the Feast of Tabernacles. This is the time of preparation. These are Mikro Kodeshim. These are holy rehearsals. We don't see everything, but we are in the rehearsals. And that is my joy. And I pray it's your joy. Thank you for all of you that are in live chat right now. Edify one another, encourage one another, and make sure you do make connections. Go to Torah to the Tribes.com forward slash connect, and you can connect six days a week on all of the Zoom platforms digitally and through the other groups on that page. And thank all of you. I truly. Truly do that, do support this ministry. I was able to connect with some donors this week in Canada, in um, Sweden, and just I was just so humbled and encouraged the kindness and the thankfulness and the encouragement that I got just by being on the telephone with some of you out there that do support the ministry. I feel isolated just like you do. You see me in this box, in this screen, but I'm living and alive just like you are. And sometimes we need those human connections all the time, really, through prayer, through lifting one another up. We just had some wonderful singing here today, a cappella, which I love. I love that. I was sharing with the group here today. I love a cappella worship. Why? Because I know there will come a time when we will be in troubles and we will still sing out and worship yahweh whether we're cold whether we're naked hungry whatever if we will still be the people that will worship yahweh and i know we will acapella with those wonderful voices and some of you today will get to hear me acapella tonight around the campsite but it won't be worship it will be Southern country, because that's my speciality. And I'm not going to do it live today on the broadcast, but tonight I will do it live. Okay, we did a little bit last night. And you know, maybe some worship too. But I do like to do my Southern American accent for you cappella style. Let's get into the text and enough of my folly, for goodness sake. Revelation chapter 21. Calamity? No! Hope and glory. In fact, it's Revelation chapter 22. Thank you so much. Let's get right. Chapter 22, and it is verse 1. And he showed me a pure river of the water of life. Oh, am I going to be able to get through the first verse without commentating? No, of course not. Because we know at the Feast of Tabernacles, Yahushua cried out, I am the living water. He is the one that all of the prophecies spoke about. Everything in the temple service all points to this wonderful reality that if you are hungry and you are thirsty, there is only one way to have that kind of sustenance, and that comes through the relationship with the Lamb, the Lamb, the blessed Lamb, that shows us the pure river of water of life, clear as crystal, proceeding out of the throne of Yahuwah and of the Lamb. In the midst of its street and of the river, from here and from there was the Etz Chaim, the tree of life. This is the earthly paradise which was lost, now regained. This is the amazing finality of prophecy that comes into view here. What was lost by the sin of the first Adam is now restored by the work of the second Adam. And of course, this was prophesied in the Tanakh. In the Psalms, it says in the 46th Psalm and in the fourth verse, there is a river, the streams whereof shall make glad the city of Yahuwah, the holy place of the tabernacles of the Most High. Yahuwah is in the midst of her. So all of those years ago, thousands of years ago, the psalmist saw the vision. And what John is communicating here was already prophesied and seen by visionaries before. In fact, Zechariah the prophet saw it as well in the 14th chapter and in the 6th verse of Zechariah where it is written, and it shall come to pass in that day, what day, this day, in the day that John is seeing in the fullness of scope that the light shall not be clear nor dark, but it shall be one day which shall be known to Yahuwah, not day nor night, but it shall come to pass, that at evening time it shall be light and it shall be that day that the living waters shall go out from Jerusalem." Half of them toward the former sea and half of them toward the Hinder sea in summer and in winter shall it be. Of course, there we have the vision of the prophet Zechariah in the third verse of Revelation 22. It is written, that tree, that etz haim, is so different because it is not just a tree that bore one fruit, But now that tree is now in full blossom. This is the end of the harvest. This is the end of the harvest. This is time for the sustenance and the fruit to be poured forth in our life. It bore 12 fruits, each yielding its fruit according to one month. And the leaves of the tree were for the healing of the nations. And every curse, will no longer be there shall be no more curse there is going to be no more accursed one no more Satan. no more accuser there is going to be no serpent there as there was in the former earthly paradise oh thank goodness for that right We can finally have some shalom in the home, right? Because all of the contentions, all of the struggles, all of the calamity that is this human experience is because there was a curse and the serpent seed came into humanity. And therefore, we find that we are in this war. But here, there's no more war. There's no more anxiety. There is none of that. This is truly, truly worship in the fullness. Worshipping Yahuwah and the Lamb because there is no serpent there. But the throne of Yahuwah and of the Lamb will be in it. And his servants, they will serve him. So this is the climatic tree, isn't it? This is the climatic tree. It's really the end of a horticultural prophetic journey through scripture. It really is. It began with the tree of life. But there was another tree, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, that ended up having to be guarded by the cherubim, the cherubim. And then there was another tree. It was that tree that just caught on fire right before Moshe Rabbeinu. Of course, the burning tree in which Yahuwah appeared to Moshe. And then, of course, we have in the scriptures those oaks of Mamre that preceded that. And then there was, of course, the trees of the diviners at Shechem. Then there was the palm tree under which, of course, Deborah had the prophetic vision Then there was the oak of Oprah, where an angel, of course, appeared to Gideon. Rustling trees everywhere through scripture. It really is a horticultural journey, isn't it, that ends right here. There was the rustling of the tops of the balsam trees, which, of course, indicated to David that Yahuwah has gone before you into the battle. And then there was the tree that caught up the curse of his son, Absalom. That was caught in the tree. Because sometimes that tree is associated with a curse and it catches the curse. And the curse went down the family line because of a breaking in covenant. But then there was the redemptive tree of our Savior, Yehusha where we now find ourselves seeing the fullness of the whole end, which he began right there, of course, at that very Passover. So trees, trees, and trees, and people are trees. I saw man as trees. Of course, when Yahushua restores our vision, I saw men as trees, walking as trees as your vision starts to come back in the life that we have been given. In the fourth verse, it says, And they will see his face, and his name will be in their foreheads. And there will be no night there, and they need no lamp or light of the sun, for Yahuwah Elohim gives them light, and they will reign forever and ever. Le'olam Vied. And he said to me, these sayings are faithful and true. And the master Yahuwah of the holy prophets sent his angel to show his servants the things which must shortly be done. Behold, I come quickly. Blessed is he who keeps the words of the prophecy of this book. There's a blessing bestowed upon us. For keeping the words of this prophecy. For having a heart of expectation that he is going to return. That he is going to come. And that it is an expectation that it's going to happen when? Quickly. Means you and I are ever expecting that day. It is an anticipation. Our whole life should be geared towards that expectation. Regardless, regardless of whether we're going into the wilderness tomorrow, we should be expecting. So be encouraged because we are to be having that expectation in our hearts. But we see through a glass dimly. And we don't have it all figured out, but we do have a heart And a ruach of expectation and anticipation. And that is how we're called to live. Regardless of the circumstances around us, I shall still live with an expectation that he is coming quickly. Because that's what I'm called to live for. Because otherwise the other option is complacency. Lukewarmness. No, I want to be on fire and hot. And you know what? That's the way to live. And the verse 8 of the 22nd chapter, it is written, And I, Yochanan John, saw and I heard these things. And when I heard and saw, I fell down. He does it again. I fell down to worship before the feet of the angel, showing me these things. Didn't you learn from the preceding visions? But again, sometimes we trip and stumble and bumble, don't we? I mean, you do. I don't, of course, but I know you guys do a lot. You know. And then he said to me, Behold, see, do not do it, for I am your fellow servant, and of your brothers the prophets, and of those who keep the words of his book. It is only worship unto Yahweh that is worthy of our worship, and the Lamb that sits upon the right hand of the throne of the Father, of course. Revelation, the 10th verse of this fine. Finale. And he said unto me, Do not seal the words of the prophecy of this book, because the time is at hand. It's a time of expectation, because that's how we're to live. A thousand years ago, two thousand years ago, today, tomorrow, and forever. And then in the eleventh verse, the words of johnny cash no not really but you know we know that he did sing this he acting unjustly let him still act unjustly and he acting filthy let him be filthy still and the righteous let him be righteous still and the holy let him be holy still there is no more important time than right now. Today, as the writer of the book of Hebrews says, if you hear his voice. So there means there is no more important time for preaching and prophecy than now. These must be the agencies working amongst the believers. The agencies of prophecy and the agency of preaching. Because evil men will be going on with their evil still. And they need warnings, don't they? They need warnings. They need conviction or condemnation. But evil men will be doing evil still. So therefore, holy people must be doing holiness and practicing holiness still. Good men will be growing better. Why? Because we give up. No, because we struggle. Because we struggle. And we'll be doing better through the struggle. And so, you'll need more encouragement through prayer, preaching, and prophecy because you're in the struggle. Are you in the struggle? I'm in the struggle. And therefore, I need more holy people around me to pray for me to preach the good word in season and out of season, just to give me a word of encouragement so that I will be holier still. So do you see how these words are so true today? Evil men will be going on with their evil. They will need warnings They will need condemnation and possibly one or two will be plucked out of their evilness and they will be convicted and then they will begin the journey of which you and I encountered so, so long ago. But then there's those of us that are holy men, that are holy women, and we need to be growing stronger and stronger and that only happens, excuse me, through the struggle, through the tension. The body, the muscles of our bodies grow when they find resistance. And if they do not find resistance, they become weak. They become fatigued. So it is the struggle. It is the resistance. That curse that opposes when you're out in the natural world. And then those of you that are married get the blessing Of the helper, your wife, that often opposes you, but in a good way. Why? To convict you, to keep you, and to aid you, and assist you to become better. Is marriage a struggle? Is it? Yes. But a good wife is worth far more than rubies. So, what a blessing. But the struggle and the push and the tension is to develop us and to make us holier still. Isn't it? There's the vision. There's the vision. Don't lose the vision in your life. The very point of this verse, 11... Is that there is no irrevocability at the time of this writing. And so for everyone, there is still hope. But once we arrive, listen, once we arrive at the scene of Revelation 22, then time has passed and we're reminded of the words of the prophet Isaiah. In John, chapter 12, verse 39, where it is written. We're not here yet, but eventually we will be at this time where there will be irrevocability. Therefore, they could not believe... Because Isaiah said again, he has blinded their eyes, he's hardened their hearts, that they should not see with their eyes, not understand with their hearts, and be converted, and I should heal them. I'm out in the nations, and I speak truth. Yet their eyes are blinded their hearts are hardened and they hear nothing. And I try and reason and explain and even give scenarios of stories, parables, but still, if their hearts are blinded, their ears are plugged and they are entrenched in wickedness. What can we do? shake the dust off our feet and try and find another that is ready to hear and not take it personally. And that is a growing experience for all of us, isn't it? And we are finding ourselves in this current state that there is a lot of the adversary out there manifesting through his children. But we have a higher calling Do we avoid engaging? No. But we take it to a spiritual level and try and paint a picture through parables and through prophecy. The passage here in Revelation 22, verse 11, is really an echo of the parable of the tares, isn't it? Isn't it? Let both grow together until the harvest. I find myself rubbing and bumping with the tears all around. I'm like, Are they still here? I thought these, where's the FEMA bus? Can't they just, oh, that's heartless, right? But I mean, I do find myself, can't they? I mean, I mean, they're already lined up for it. Can't we just give them a kick up the backside and get them on the FEMA bus? I mean, I'll throw some oats over the razor wire to them, but I mean, just get them out of here. And then I'm like, how, you know, I was there once. And what's really sad, the opposition that you're finding out there most in the world, those that are most adversarial to you? They're the most naive of what is really going on. They'll be the first. You know, it'll be like, oh, I know you had a nice train journey. Come on over here. There's some showers. Oh, yeah, don't worry about the smoke. That's the furnace to keep you warm once you get out of the showers. I mean, really? Are you not questioning any of this? Well, those that didn't question and those that don't find themselves in a calamity. Today, it's not a holocaust. It's called FEMA zones. Okay, so we have to have spiritual eyes to see the reality. But this is a chapter about hope. So why am I talking again about negative apocalyptic things? Because we have not yet arrived here, and you and I are still here, and we're going to get there. That's the hope. But we have to go through this struggle to get there. And this ministry is a ministry of reconciliation, but this is not a ministry of fake fiction. This is reality in our lives. The word alive In us, empowers us to be able to communicate with the nations and live distinctly different in these days. And I hope that this ministry blesses you and equips you because we are here to equip the saints. And that is powerful, that is unique, and it is for such a time as this. We've got some bandits walking by, of course, masked bandits looking in but we are locked and loaded here at torah to the tribes we have got very nice i got security i've got some good guys in here today i'm feeling very confident and i like that oh this is good we need this we got what well, this guy right up front i mean you are fully what are you you like ready to go aren't you man we got steel batons throwing knives army boots I mean, we won't zoom in and and expose our undercover agent here, but uh, whose first name is Israel. Hallelujah. That's all you're getting. Hallelujah. Baruch Hashem, Yahuwah. So really is a time of the parable of the tares growing up together until the harvest, isn't it? It is. And we need to be prepared for that. Harvest is close at hand. Revelation. Chapter 22, verse 11, is rather a statement of fact than a direction of conduct and judgment. The results of preaching and prophecy is, to some, a savor of life unto life, and to others, man, a stench of death, is it not? And I realize that. I am a stench of death to those that are perishing. And to those that are living, hopefully an encouragement, sometimes a little bit of an awakening out of complacency to those that are ready to hear the word in season and out of season. The results, of course, of preaching and prophecy comes into full alignment because we see there is a confirmation of his word we are to confront men we are to confirm that there is truly sin in that world that needs to be called out so that man can be restored through conviction of sin Romans chapter 6 in the 16th verse. Do you not know that to whom you yield yourselves as slaves for obedient, you are slaves to him whom you obey? Whether it is sin to death or of obedience to Revelation chapter 22. Righteousness. A divergent path. It really is just two roads. A narrow one that leads to life, or a broad one that leads to destruction. It is really the path of the seeds of a harvest of bounty or the tares of destruction. Very simple message for a very simple, simple time. What so many don't realize is that men today are building, listen, you are building up your destiny today. Whatever it is, you are building up your destiny today by your actions and by your habits today. So whatever you're doing today is a building block in your destiny. So you've got to think, what did I do today? Because whatever you're doing is a building block in your destiny. And I pray that our destiny will be here together he who is righteous, let him be righteous still. He who is holy, let him be holier still. Therefore, engage in the struggle because Yahweh is the refiner and we will go through the fire. Sow an act, reap a habit. Sow a habit, reap a character. Sow a character, reap a destiny. The righteous become more righteous. The godly become more godly. So slowly but surely, we march on toward our destiny, don't we? Choose this day who you will serve. And behold, I am coming quickly in the 12th verse, and my reward is with me to give to each according as his work is. I am the Aleph Tav, the beginning and the end, the first and the last. I love this verse. I practiced this verse many, many years ago when I first moved out into the country. We didn't have any gates back then. I was unarmed, undefended, and in came the Jehovah Witnesses. Right up to my front door, those little, little devils. And of course, I was like, well, let's have a go at this. I pointed out this verse to the old gentleman. I said, have you ever looked at Revelation chapter 22, verse 13? Oh, yes. Well, let's turn there together, I said. And of course, I read him. You know, the King Jimmy translation, because I wasn't Hebraic back in the time. There was no Aleph and Tav in my life, in my vernacular. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end, the first and the last. I said, Who said that? He said, well, Jesus said that. I said, You got it. So, what does he designate himself as? the Alpha and the Omega, the first and the last. And I pointed this out to the kingdom of the cults, that this verse is a quote from three witnesses in Isaiah. John didn't make this up. Isaiah quotes this three times, where the prophet Isaiah assigns this to Yahuwah. The prophet Isaiah, three witnesses, assigns this specific term. I don't care if it's Hebrew. I don't care if it's in the Septuagint, in the Greek. He assigns this specifically to the heavenly father. And yet here we find Yahushua assigning it to himself. So this absolutely implodes the theology of the kingdom of the cults. That Yahushua is a mere man. It decimates. It's an IED in the kingdom of the cults. The first and the last. Isaiah 41 verse 4. Isaiah 44 verse verse 6 Isaiah 48 verse 12 this is an ied on the devil's little demons a threefold witness of Isaiah the prophet a threefold witness then in the apocalypse it's perfect three witness in the prophet Isaiah and a truth is established on the testimony of two or three witnesses. Well, how about for the deity and divinity and the ekad plurality? Let's double it up. Let's have a six-fold witness. Three witnesses in Isaiah and three witnesses in Revelation chapter 1 verse 17, Revelation chapter 2 verse 8, Revelation chapter 22 verse 13. I am sick of these little devils knocking on doors or these little bandits riding along in their nice little white pressed shirts on their bicycles peddling a cult witchcraft. You can implode it very simply by pointing out this verse and the origins of it, and it is Why do I get fired up about it? Because I live a life of conviction and experience. And I, many of you know, I got saved when I was 24 years old. Saved from wickedness and sin. And within a bloody week of my salvation... Knock, knock, knock on my door. Why? Why? Because S.A. Tan knew what Yahweh could do with my life. And he couldn't take my salvation, but he could definitely send me down a deer trail to destruction and of being of no good for the kingdom. Within a week, they're knocking at my door. And I'm dialoguing with them. And my wife wasn't even saved at this point. And she had the discernment even then to go, "Um, Matthew, you shouldn't even engage with them. There's something off. I realize now, within a week, Lucifer sent round to my door two of his witnesses to try and sidetrack a disciple of the master that would preach the word to the nations. That's why I get righteous indignation. So when I see these little bandits come in, I'm ready to rumble. <laughs> and so should you be. And you don't have to get into a massive theological discussion. Just ask them who's speaking in Revelation chapter 22 verse 13. And give them the linguistic and textual origin based upon two or three witnesses. And then kick them to the curb. Or maybe even better, pray that they are convicted and repent of being part of the kingdom of the cults. So that's why I get passionate, because it's real to me, and I am so thankful, so thankful that they got kicked to the curb in my life. Whoo! My goodness. Sorry, that one brought up some old memories there. Triggered me. I got triggered. Oh, dear. I need some healing. I need some healing, some forgiveness. Oh, my goodness. The naivety back in those days, back in those days of moi. What does it mean, though? I am the first and the last. Well, the first. Who is the first? Remember, Revelation 22, how many fruits are bearing fruit on the tree? One or 12? 12, representing the 12 tribes of Israel. It is the fullness, the first and the last. Well, the message first went out, of course, to Abraham. Abram, leave. Leave the air of the cowries. cross over, cross over from one soil to a better soil, get rooted and planted and produce a crop of 12 fruits. He was the first one to cross over, Chavah, a Hebrew, to cross over from one soil that was corrupt and pagan to another soil that is fertile land that produces a fruit of 12 tribes. The first is Yahweh, He who called Abraham will be with the last Moshiach, Messiah, who calls the children of Abraham all 12 tribes gathered together. The first and the last. Who's the subject of the prophecy? The last. But it begins with the first. And it's all going to be one tree growing out of that fertile ground. Very simple agricultural picture. Of course, the first he who called Abraham will be with the last Messiah who calls the children of Abraham who's the subject of this prophecy. Oh, beautiful. Revelation chapter 22 in the 14th verse. Blessed, oh my goodness, you can't teach this. It's flipping outrageous. You certainly can't teach this from a, a, a pure text. If we're going to teach this Calvary Chapel style, we're going to do it from the new text. Because you won't catch it. And then you can keep on doing Christmas. In Easter, you could even have some hot cross buns if you wanted to. But we're not going to do the new text where they watered it down and they changed it. They washed their robes, they changed it too. They washed their robes. It doesn't say that in the Bible. Blessed are they who washed their robes. Whose translation says that? Does yours say that? Well, oh, it better not say that. Does yours, Pastor Don? What does yours say? Huh? We're in the 14th verse of the 22nd chapter. What does yours say? Blessed are those who do his commandments. Blessed are those who do his commandments. Good. If your scripture at home says, blessed are those who wash their robes, you have become susceptible to the new text. And that new text, of course, is corrupted and it washes down the power of the word because the word truly says, Blessed are they who do his commandments. Whereas the new text says, blessed are they who washed their robes. That changes everything. Blessed are they who do his commandments that their authority will be over the tree of life. Whose Bible says that? That their authority will be over the tree of life that they may enter in by the gates in the city. So you have to watch out for the new text. That's N-U, new, which says wash their robes. Of course, changed by translators because they're trying to downplay the stand-alone ordinance of Torah observance that comes at the end of the Bible. That's a major problem. Major problem. The Greek word here is poeo, poeo. The Hebrew word that it comes from is asa, asar. It's a primitive root to do, action, to do. It's not to think. It's not to dream about. It's not a concept. It's not an idea. It's an action, asar, to do. The Greek word Connected in the text is entole, entole, an authoritative commandment. To do an authoritative commandment. The only way you can get around this is to absolutely change it, which the new text did, to wash their robes. In the Septuagint, The Torah of first mention, which of course I've taught so many times, is Leviticus, Vaikra, chapter 27, verse 34. Listen to this. These are the mitzvah, the entole, the authoritative commandment which Yahuwah commanded Moshe, for the children of Israel in Mount Sinai. There is a direct connection between the end of the book with the beginning of the book. Mount Sinai, the full vision of the heavenly to the Melchizedek priesthood connected to the Torah, specifically the book of the covenant in the context of what Moshe was receiving at the mountain. Powerful, if you can unravel and grasp it right there. So what were Yahusha's last words to the whole world? His last words to the whole world. Do the Torah so you have the right to the tree of life. Mitzvot, mitzvot. Isaiah tells us in the 8th chapter in the 16th verse, bind up the testimony, seal the Torah among my disciples, verse 20, to the Torah and to the testimony, if they speak not according to this word, it is because there is no light in them. To paraphrase, you have created a God and a Messiah after your own images and you've been Deceived. Because many will come to me at the end of the day and say, well, Master, oh, Master, we were speaking in the tongues and we were slapping each other around uh, and we were doing amazing things. I don't know why I'm speaking Italian. (laughs) Why am I speaking? Did we have some? Oh, it's because I just bought a Benelli shotgun, isn't it? See, I can always turn it back to weapons and tactics. Sorry, we were talking about that earlier. I have. That's most probably why, too. See, that's how my brain works. Oh, dear me, I need prayer, don't I? I do need prayer. Or I might need some pizza. I'm not sure, one of the two. How about prayer and pizza tonight, both of you, all of you? I was on a very, very serious part of Scripture, and then I got silly again. Let's go back to scripture and and get back where we're supposed to be. Bind up the testimony, seal the Torah among my disciples, verse 20. To the Torah and to the testimony, if they speak not according to this word, it is because there is no light in them. (sighs) But we get in that text the authority over the tree of life. That's what it says in the Greek. The authority over the tree of life. Now think about the ramifications of this meaning we will never succumb to the temptation of our first mother and father on earth because authority, which is dominion, has been secured by better blood based upon better promises. It's dominion. This is dominion theology based upon better blood and better promises. That's why I'm bananas about the book of Hebrews. Okay? And some of you are saying I'm just bananas, but that's inappropriate. (laughs) Inappropriate. (laughs) Revelation chapter 22, verse 15. But outside are the homosexuals and the sorcerers and the fornicators and the murderers and the idolaters and everyone who loves and makes a lie. You see... I'm sorry to offend your thin skin, but the Torah translation is very literal in its finality to Yahuwah's unbending morality on holiness. Don't hate me. Hate Yahuwah, which of course is sadly true for those whose garments are filthy still. You see, the English translations of verse 15. They softened the Greek word kunes, which actually appears in the Torah, specifically in the Septuagint of Deuteronomy chapter 23, verse 18, illustrating the figurative use of the word dog to actually mean a male homosexual prostitute. This is a big problem for Calvary Chapel, okay? Big problem. Don't hate me because I believe that the word is full of holiness and that ultimately we have a moral, moral code of conduct. And I believe that digging in to the Torah is where we found the foundation of how we are to live a successful life. You have to be careful of your modern translations skipping over the hard bits. Even if they're politically incorrect, the hard bits are usually harder for those that pretend they don't exist. We are living in a time where people don't want to look at the truth of the word. There are too many translations out there that have been monked with In various ways. So I always like to go back to the orthodoxy of the Torah, and then you have to wrestle with it, and you have to struggle with it, and then you have to make a choice. I've made my choice. You guys make your own choice. In the 16th verse, we find... I, Yahushua, have sent my angel to testify these things to you over the congregations. I am the root and the offspring of David, the bright and morning star. And the ruach and the bride said, Come and let the one hearing saying, Come and let the one who is thirsty come. And he willing let him take of that water of life and just drink it down freely. For the 18th verse says, For I testify together to everyone who hears the words of the prophecy of this book. If anyone adds to these words, Yahweh will add on him the plagues that have been written in this book. And if anyone takes away from the words of the book of this prophecy, Yahweh will take away his part out of the Etz Chaim excuse me, the book of life, not the tree of life, the book of life and out of the holy city and from the things which have been written in this book. So this is really talking about unauthorized doctrines in the prophecy or those who neglect essential ones. You see, we can't neglect the text with the new text, with the kingdom of the cults, with some modern translation. We have a responsibility to be Bereans, to search these things out to see if they are so. So sometimes that offends you. And I'm sorry if that offends you. Yahuwah and the word of Yahuwah is offensive to those that are perishing. And it stinketh to those that are decaying. But to those that have found life, it is a river of fullness, of vitality, because we are the children of of Abraham, the children of Yah, and we get to be healed from sin and transgression. Beware of unauthorized doctrines or those who neglect essential ones. This isn't talking about transcribers who might unadvisably interpolate or admit something in the true text. It's got to be willful, but there has been a lot of willful Beware of the false pen of the scribe. Look at the 20th verse. He who tested We're coming to the end, aren't we? But it's the beginning. He who testifies these things says, Yes, I am coming quickly. Amen. Yes, come, Master Yahusha. You see, verse 20 is the revelation of our spiritual state and condition. Four things. Four things about our spiritual state and condition. Number one, if we are succumbing to being worn down, then with the weariness of continued work, what will happen? If you're starting to be worn down, remember Satan is trying to what? Wear down the states. In, the, the saints <laughs> in the states. Wear down the saints in the states. If you start to get worn down, then what's going to happen? You start to dry up inside. And if you dry up inside, are you going to have that deep soul longing cry, come, come? No, because you become what? One with the world. So we cannot, number one, be worn down by the world because we always need to be in line with Revelation chapter 22 and the 20th verse. And that is having a soul of expectation that he would be coming quickly, which means you are living holy, righteous, ready to go. Number two. If we are giving way to unbelief, the cry of our inward spiritual man at least temporarily could be silenced into despondency, couldn't it? And there's many right now that are being tempted and tested to be silenced into despondency. Oh my goodness, what are we going to do? 2020 is an absolute bloody disaster. Oh Now Trump's got the Chan flu, what are we going to do? Oh my goodness. No, don't worry about it. Right? But people are too... Oh my goodness. Trump's got the Chan flu. What the heck are we going to do now? Oh, oh, give me a break. He's got the Chan flu. Number three i got to have a little bit of fun. It's the last chapter. <laughs> and it is the season of joy. It's Sukkot. And I can laugh. Some of you want to cry, don't you? The third thing we're looking at in the 20th verse, if we are neglecting our spiritual duties, we shall have no heart or hope to cry from our very deep soul. Come Come, I know I have that cry. I know I have that cry. And number four, if we are allowing ourselves to be overcome by the spirit of the world, then we'll find ourselves unwittingly aligning with the world. And essentially, we are praying against his coming, aren't we? Because they're praying against his coming. They don't realize it because they're a bunch of little devils, but they are by how they are living. He who is unrighteous, let him be unrighteous still. You see? So we have to have the hope of Revelation 22, specifically verse 20. Can you say, Savior Yahushua, come quickly? Amen. Come. Can you? I can, I can. Can you say it with conviction deep within you? I mean, like really wanting it. We were, we were traveling here today and we were talking about the prophetic timeline and you said, well, what about if it's another fifteen here, 1,500 years? I'm like, no, 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 no. Why? Because I have this expe- expectation. Come, quickly come. I've got this solemn judgment figure in my mind. Can I say it? Yes, I can say it. With the glorious high priestly figure of Yahushua coming with his robe. Yes, I can say it. Come, quickly, come. It's no cry. Listen, this is no cry to be kept for the final death hour. This is the cry for now while we're alive. This isn't something, oh, my goodness, they're taking me to the guillotine. I better cry. No, live it now. Live it now. It should be our soul cry, verse 20. Every day, every hour, when I wake up in the morning and when I tuck my children and my wife in, at bed, I don't tuck my wife in at bed because she stays up way too late. But you should be tucking me in. I'm just watching these horsey shows all the time, crying out loud. I go to bed with the children very early. It's because I get exhausted. You can see why, can't you? Good grief. But It should be our soul cry every hour when the soul is truly alive. The soul cries, come, Yahusha, come quickly. Then you know that you're where you're supposed to be. And that's really what this final chapter is about. Being where you know you're supposed to be. In the eighth day, after Sukkot. This is our life. And this is our soul cry. And I get to be the minister that taught the book of Revelation during the Chan flu of 2020. (laughs) And everybody, including myself, will always remember that, good or bad, we got to do it and be a part of this amazing journey. And it'll be in the archives until they ban us. But if they do, check us out on BitChute. We are up on BitChute. Thank you, Larry, for all your hard work getting us where we need to be for when the googly pulls the plug on you and me. The last verse of Scripture we come to the 22nd chapter, the 21st verse truly embodies the all in all of our creator and finds its source in the 13 attributes of Yahweh. No better place to finish scripture with who is the Elohim that you and I serve and cry out to. The grace of our master, Yahushua the Messiah, will be with you all. Amen. And turn with me to the source of that cry, and we'll finish up and close Revelation with the most perfect scripture. Of course, Exodus chapter 34, verse 6. Yahuwah, Yahuwah, Elohim, merciful, gracious, and long-suffering, abounding in goodness and truth, who extends mercy to thousands, forgiver of iniquity, transgression, and sin, who by no means clears the guilty, but visits the sins of the fathers upon the children's children to the third and fourth generation, O Yahuwah. If we have found rachamin mercy in your sight, let our names be transcribed in the book of life. And everybody said, Amen. This is the epitome, everything of scripture unfolded in the very last verse of Scripture, the 13 midot in the Hebrew, the 13 attributes of Yahuwah. Number one, Yahuwah, of course, the first attribute tradi- traditionally Yahuwah's name is related to mercy, rachamim. We serve a merciful Elohim. Number two, Yahweh. The repeat indicating mercy is central to his being. Yahuwah, Yahuwah. Number three, El, a word for deity indicating his kingship over all things. The fourth attribute, Rachamin, mercy. Rachamin comes from the Hebrew word Rechem, meaning the womb. Because inside the womb is truly where compassion is supposed to be seated, supposed to be the safest place for you to be. Of course, that isn't so. Especially now we know Ruth Bader Ginsburg was a part of that anomaly that has been on the books for so long. But we have an opportunity maybe for change. We pray so because the womb is supposed to be the safest, safest place. The fifth, the fifth attribute of Yahweh is his graciousness. The Hebrew word there is kachnun, kachnun. Yahuwah is gracious, meaning he's lovingly concerned with you. Yahuwah is lovingly concerned with you personally. That's who he is. The slick, the, uh, the sixth attribute is Yahuwah is slow to anger. The Hebrew word here is, is, is just deep when you break it down and some of you like to break it down in the paleo. Erecha afayim. Erecha afayim. Meaning he gives you time to repent. He gives you time to Repent. Number seven, Rav Chased. Rav Chased in the Hebrew. He's abundant in kindness. He gives us way more than we deserve. Way more than we deserve. The eighth attribute of Yahuwah, emet, truth. Because truth is a person, his son, who sits at his right hand. Truth is a person, his son. The ninth attribute, Extended kindness to the thousandth generation. The Hebrew phrase here, Chesed la alafim. Yahuwah is truly long-suffering. I meditate on this daily, if you can't tell. The 10th, 11th, and 12th attribute of Yahuwah, forgiving iniquity, transgression, and sin. No se vav esha vechataa. Yahweh forgives all kinds of wrongdoing. I remember coming up out of the miry clay and just, 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 just seeing it, just seeing that I was utterly, utterly soiled and devastated to the core. What did I do? That theology of mine was crazy. What was I doing? I will eat the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, partake of everything, and then afterwards I'll decide if it's good or not. Big problem with that. You did it, didn't you? Got into your mind. You can never unsee that stuff got into your soul and corrupted you and now you can't redeem yourself and no man can redeem you. You are done. Your destiny is hell. Except Yahweh, in his loving kindness is able to come in from the outside and cleanse something that could never be cleansed from itself because it is dead This is an amazing, and that's when the message of the gospel made so much sense to me. It is called Keporim, atonement, at one with the creator through substitutionary blood. That's the truth of the gospel. And finally, the 13th attribute, Ven, Echa, Lo, Yen, Echa. Yet Yahuwah does not remit all punishment, which reminds us Yahuwah's mercy does have a limit. And you can't get away with sin. You just can't and you cannot hide from Yahuwah. We right here in the prophetic, we reached his limit and now all things are made new for you and for me. Who are holy and holy still. We exchange garments, and it is the garments of the King that bring us in. Wow. What a journey. What a traveling journey. Let's see what we have in the chat. Baruch Hashem, Yahweh. 22 whopping chapters of apocalypse. What are we going to do now? Well, Yahweh willing, I am going to take a sabbatical. And prepare and pray and see what journey of scripture we get to travel on next. What are you going to say in the chat today? Let me see if I can navigate the chat. Let's get the microphone up and running here too, in-house. And... uh, Okay. Uh Okay. All right, if you want me, Shabbat Shalom, all of you out there. And Chag Sameach, it is the season of joy. So get some joy deep down inside of you. Sing some acapella, sing around the campfire, not country stuff. Um, redline me at Torah to the Tribes if you would like me to address a chat. Let's see, Bruce Scott, Shabbat Shalom, Bruce. Oh, where did you go, Bruce? Bruce, could the abomination of desolation actually be when the deceived elect participate in animal blood sacrificing with Antichrist, which slams in the face of Yeshua who ended it? I definitely think that is one aspect, and it seems that that would be just beyond the pale, doesn't it? Because we know, of course that only the blood of Yahushua restores. So why then would they go back to that? Because they have become indoctrinated by the synagogue of Satan, Bruce. So yes, I agree, Bruce. Shiloh, Shabbat Shalom, Shiloh up there, doofering around. He says this, It all seems so unreal as the narrative of the world changes daily. Thank Yahweh. The narrative stays the same inwardly, keeping us sane today. Well, that's because truth is in the person of Yahusha the Messiah, and definitely, definitely blessed to be rooted and grounded in that. Yashub, Yashub, from the European Union. Shabbat shalom, brother. What a blessing it was to finish this chapter. Thank you for all your teachings, Baruch Hashem, Yahuwah. Baruch Hashem, Yahuwah for you, Yashub, for all the support and just seeing you in the chat and on our platforms and engaging with the brethren. And again, another one who has become a real a real um, soldier in the quiver in the army of Yahuwah, 45 kimber. Can the harvest happen? Before Eliyar, the end time prophet is revealed and the key of the house of David will lay upon his shoulder. Isaiah 22, verse 22. I'm going to read that in my own time. Let's read that one around the fire tonight and have a discussion. And we will see. That uh, I, I love looking up other scriptures. Dinky Doodle 1000, Shabbat Shalom, Dinky Doodle Woodle. Yes, post-millennial view changes. Yes, it does. A post-millennial view changes everything. There is no literal millennial kingdom. If there is, what's the purpose? Well, and then an emoji like this. Again, this pre-millennial, post-millennial, you'll notice that I kind of sidestep that in the book of Revelation deliberately. I've done a whole teaching in the past um, at a past Sukkot on post-millennialism. Um, you know, I'm open to um, learning more about it because I do not know with finality. And I'm op- I'm okay with that. Because I think anyone who says, oh, I've got it all figured out about the millennium, I'm like, really? Because the Bible doesn't actually lay it all out for you. It is deliberately mysterious. Because Yahuwah is bigger than us. Yes, we we, we can... We can see shadows and we can see pictures in the scripture. But I do not. I'm not definitive right now. That's just me. Some would disagree. And that's okay. Neil, Neil, Edward, Shabbat Shalom, Neil. Shalom, Matthew. Do you think there is a seed of Hasatan bloodline on the earth today? Oh, for sure I do. It is literal. The word Zerah is seed, the Greek word sperma. This isn't some kind of cosmic. No, it's literal. Literal. Demons, the seed of the serpent. Reptilians, if you will. The Queen of England. I mean, give me a break. Come on. Really? And now you've got Harry and Meghan, right, trying to do all this political stuff in Hollywood and trying to be, you know, social justice warriors, right? Excuse me? She's black, and she married the biggest slavers, (laughs) sorry, who've gone and totally gone around the world and subjected all kinds of cultures to imperialism, and now you're going to lecture us? Well, you married the wrong person to have any kind of validity to that. It's hypocrisy of the highest standards, the highest standards. I mean, the the royal family are the biggest, biggest slavers out there. What they did to the Indians, give me a break. The Africans, and now all of a sudden you're going to partner with their seed line and virtue signal to us? from a million-billion-dollar mansion in Hollywood? Who believes this stuff? It's outrageous. Outrageous. But anyway, that's just moi, not a great fan of the royal family. You know? Adam Davis, how would you advise moving forward with family members who claim Christianity but refuse to hear the truth we share and continue in their doctrine? Well, again, you know, that's a, that's going to be a little bit of a struggle, isn't it? Whew. Share the truth in love, and then if they accept it, great. If not, then you kind of have to move on. That doesn't mean that um, you don't love them, but, I, I, you know, having the arguments and being bold and boisterous, it, it didn't really work out too well for me. So, you know, in my maturity now, I, I see that, you know The words of Yahushua, should have listened then, but now I'm listening now, is shake off the dust off your sandals and move on and try and find somebody that is receptive. Because if somebody is locked into the doctrine, then they've found themselves locked. And only the Ruach HaKodesh will be the key to unlock that, not you and me. So I think you have to, if they refuse, then you have to go and move on in love. So anyway... Shabbat Shalom, Isaiah Ketaman. immortality is a gift, not something we innately possess to say you have the innate immortal soul is to say you are righteous. He alone possesses immortality. First Timothy 6 verse 16. Yahusha resurrected in glory, of course we have the immortality that then is offered, to us through the Keporah, through the atoning, and then Paul says that we work out our fear, our salvation with fear and trembling. We have not yet attained it; it has been secured for us. So there is security. I do believe in a, a, eternal security. I do believe that we are purchased by the blood, and we. Have, and some of you may disagree, and you're going to get more into Armenianism. Okay. And, you know, that's all well and good. You see, somebody brought this up the other week when I did a teaching. They're like, oh, you just taught Calvinism. Well, no, no, Calvinism. Calvinists didn't believe in the Torah, okay? The Calvinists weren't keeping the feasts of Yahuwah. And so so don't say I believe in Calvinism. I was teaching scripture, yes, and that had... But I'm not a Calvinist, and I'm not an Armenianism because that's traditional Christianity, and they certainly don't uphold the feasts and the commandments of Yahuwah. But, do I believe that men before me in the Christian church have studied the scriptures to show themselves approved and have found great truths and um, encapsulated those in writing? Yes. And you can look at Armenianism and you can look at Calvinism, and if you follow both of them to their logical conclusion, then you discount the other. But Yahweh is bigger than us, and somehow... He can see through it all and reconcile. Choose this day who you will serve. Well, oh, that sounds like what is well, hang on a minute. But then again, you are chosen. Oh, 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 election. You see, we can limit Yahuwah with our human understanding. So sometimes we have to hold things gently until the Ruach gives us more understanding. I don't know why I went off on that tangent, but I did, so there you have it. Claiborne Management says, what is the scriptural answer to the question, do you sin? Do you sin? What is the scriptural? Anybody? Ahron. What is the scriptural answer to "Do you sin"? We know it says in First John that you don't have to sin anymore. But do we still struggle? I think that. um, Huh? Microphone, microphone. Yes, let's get help me out here. Help me. David, I, I don't. Can you hear me? Yes. I don't know the answer, but I was just thinking the Scripture says, he who says he doesn't sin is a liar, but also the Scripture says... And the says, truth is not in him. Uh-huh, but also it says, he who um, is born of Yahuwah doesn't sin. Again, well. so again, what are we going to do? Are we going to limit? No, you see, we have to we have to see, and I've taught this before, the difference between the, the black writing of Scripture and the white fire... In between. And sometimes you can miss the white fire if you get so caught in the black fire. All right? The letter of the word. What is the ruach, the spirit intent behind it? What is the context? The spirit. That is what we have to weigh. And sometimes we can limit ourselves. Armenianism, Armenianism, Calvinism, Calvinism, they contradict one another. Well, hang on a minute. They didn't pull these thoughts. From nowhere, the scripture actually supports both. But if you follow both of them to their logical conclusion, they exclude one another. Well, shouldn't we be mature enough to now approach it with the white fire and find shalom? Because I could teach Calvinism and Arminism through the scripture. And some would say, well, that's contradictory. No, we have not yet gained the full understanding that Yahuwah wants for us. Lay it down and grow and grow. So, huh? hold it, yeah. Let's see what else we got here. Let's see, have we got any other thoughts here? Mark, is there a way I could write you a letter for your eyes only to share my thoughts? Yes, you can write a letter. I believe the address is on the website, so thank you about that. All right, we've got more scriptures from 45 Kimber. Write these down around the campsite tonight. First Chronicles chapter 24, First Chronicles chapter 25. Let's dig into those a little later. Much more truth down in Florida. Why are so many prophecy junkies, but so few desire int- intimacy with Yahusha? It's like chasing a carrot on a stick, isn't it? Wow. Let's see. Pixie from Dixie. Shabbat Shalom, Pixie from Dixie. She says, or he says, I believe the picture is a girl. It will be as the days of Noah before the end, right? Yes, it will. Are we living in those days? It sure does seem so. It sure does seem so, doesn't it? My goodness. Mark says, Shabbat Shalom and happy Sukkot. It says, don't eat blood. Does that mean no rare steaks? Because I've had many different people in fellowship give me different answers. Well, that really, really, you know, that is a question that um, I, 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 I speak on. And that is something that the family has to decide how they're going to navigate it, okay? Um, Question is, the blood, of course, belongs to Yahuwah, right? So it's all about, of course, how the meat, how the animal is killed, and thus you get the meat. So remember, in the book of Samuel, when... um, they were out warrioring around for the day and they were hungry and then jonathan found the i believe it was jonathan found the honeycomb didn't he but the rest of the army were absolutely famished and they killed clean animals sheep and oxen they killed clean they weren't killing pigs they killed clean animals but they didn't kill them appropriately so Yahweh said it was sin because they had it still had the blood in it so you're going to have to wrestle with that now I like to um, buy rabbinical kosher certified meat and then people say oh you don't need that well you know I see that it does taste different and I realize that there's a lot that goes into it oh yeah well if just some rabbi blessed it well no that's not actually so They de-vein it, it's not trife, meaning it can't come from a sick or injured animal. All the veins have been, the majority of the veins have been stripped out. Um, So it's, it's, it's different. Now, in the perfect world, is it a lot better if you have a cow out in your back pasture that's eating organically, and you get to get it slaughtered properly? That's great too. So like I've said before, you know, as for the Nolan household, We buy kosher meat, but then there are other families that I trust their conviction, and um, they may get harvested meat from somewhere else. But that's that's something you're going to have to navigate yourself. But that scripture in Samuel I really wrestled with. I'm like, okay, it's not just about eating clean. It is about the slaughter. So we do need to pay attention to that. You know, I'm, I don't think it's a good idea if I go out there with my new Benelli shotgun and start blasting a cow and um, and then think, all right, I'm going to have myself some beef steak tonight. Because guess what? That meat just got saturated with blood because it wasn't, you know, going out and killing that that's not right. Okay? Anyway, that's another teaching all in itself, isn't it? Try... Th- and kosher, and deveining, and the difference between rabbinical kosher, the difference between halal, the difference between organic, the difference between GMO. That could be a whole teaching. And you know what? Some people would be going, that was a great teaching. And then other people would be, oh, that's very disagreeable. Because when it comes down to diet, that's a very personal thing. So let's go to Leviticus 11. Let's start there. And let's all get on the same page there, okay? No more bacon bits. If we can start there, that's it. No more shrimp and butter. If we can start there, then I say then we're all on the same board and we can move on in our orthodoxy together and realize there may be differences because we are in exile. And I'm just glad I'm not eating the bacon butties that I once was. And there you have it. That's all I've got. Bangers and mash to you too. It is the Blessed Sabbath. We are live on the Feast of Tabernacles. What an amazing, amazing journey so far. 22 whopping chapters. I'm going to take a sabbatical. I may pop up live here and there or even from my armchair. Not sure. Not sure. But tonight... I pray Yah's blessings on all of you. Thank you. Give us some thumbs up. Subscribe to the channel. It really does help other people come to hear the message. And it makes a big difference. By you hitting the thumbs up and subscribing. Not so much subscribing, but do anyway, because that's good. It helps on the population on the side. So then somebody that's studying the Bible somewhere else, all of a sudden, Torah to the tribes pops up and then they might get the Malkitzedic message and wow, changes lives, changes lives. Yahweh has changed my life and I pray he changed your life too. Thank you. Please consider donating and supporting this ministry. And remember, this is the season of joy. It is the Feast of Tabernacles. Shabbat Shalom.